everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with the one and only Bob Saget. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. All of you. Thank you. Actually, I've changed my name. It says the one and only before my name. That's smart. Yeah, I'm like a, a resort in Cabo. Right. Do you have a, uh, a little trademark symbol as well? Just in I case. do. It's, it's a lion's head going through a, um, a, a rectum. I don't know why I had to add that. Wow. It's my- now, do you see yourself more as the rectum or as the lion? As the lion. And I'm just uh, eating through the life, you mm-hmm. know. The rectum of life. Well, it's a difficult life and uh, for many people. So uh, a lot of people are try- just trying to eat their way through the rectum. Is it a difficult life for you, Bob? I am very fortunate in that I have three amazing daughters and I have a, a girlfriend who's a woman since last I saw you. I, right, you were I'm, single then. You're like I happily was, single then. I, w- I was happily single, um, um, and I didn't think I'd meet, because I was coming fresh out of something that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a refreshing thing. I mean, she's a grown-up and uh, has a life, and she's considerate and uh, and actually cares about me. Uh, is that... Um is all of this out of character for you? Like, do you it's a little go out for- of contrast, because but I'm but I'm sixty now. So when I was, you know, I got divorced twenty years ago. I don't know why people say you know because I don't know how you would know. But it's an expression. You well, know, well, you know, I I would know. I mean, I would maybe know because I interviewed you. Yeah, some years ago. Correct. But they would not know. Right. But I know. But like, I get, I get the, the, I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're laying down. You know what I'm laying. <laughs> I'm I don't know who you are, but well, yeah. Well, she's a, she's a great person, so that's the good news. So you've been divorced 20 years, or you got divorced 20 years ago. Yeah, and I have these three amazing kids who are now 30, 27, and 24, and they're uh, they're cool as hell. They're all artists, and, um, and I'm out uh, doing stand-up like a banshee right now with goals to do a new special by April or May, and then I'm directing a movie in May that I'm in, and then I'm... Doing, uh, of course, Fuller House because mm-hmm. that's uh, busy is good for me. So I guess I'm happy when I'm busy because when I'm not busy, idle time has not uh, been good for me. I've always been always made myself busy when I wasn't busy, but uh, and and having a relationship is a fun thing to do. I'm just at a place where I I, I want one uh, now. Which happens to people that are oh single, you know, you don't want to have to answer to anybody, right? And, but I don't know. I'm an, I, I'm older now, and I'm just feeling like it's nice to share something with someone. And she's, we just have fun personalities together, so I, I'm feeling very good about this. How'd you guys meet? Well, I uh, it's really embarrassing, uh, and it just sounds so incredibly showbizy gross. But uh, I saw. I was flipping through food websites, mm-hmm. and I saw her um, her Instagram, but it's mostly about food, and and she's a a, a food person on uh, in Chicago, out of Chicago, and I called a, a friend of mine, uh, talked to Rokan, who's a big Chicago radio guy and, mm-hmm. uh, and television guy, and I said, "Is is this girl a bitch?" And uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And he said, "No, no, my fiance uh, loves her, and she's a doll." So uh, she came out here for business, and uh, we kind of was out with her and her posse. She had like four people with her, um, all working with her, and all of her meetings. 
And then I, I didn't make that much of it. And then um, I found out that it was more than I thought it was. Um, and then two weeks later, I took her on a date and uh, in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Flew to Vegas and we saw... Uh, Michael Jackson's show. Well, what else puts you together than that? Right. And uh, and uh, Absinthe, which is that funny Cirque du Soleil show. I've seen that one. And we drank Absinthe, so that was the end of that. Mm-hmm. And that was a. But we hadn't even we hadn't even gone to like second base, you know. Which I don't know what that is now. I think that's is that boobs. I think uh, second base now is full fornication. I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, fifth base, you're actually cannibals. You just mm-hmm. eat each other's brains and private parts. But but. Um, and she's a food person. I'll, uh, and what kind of food person? Yeah, her her uh, her site and her uh, Instagram is called Eat Travel Rock. So she goes around the world, and they pay her to go to Japan and Switzerland and show fine food everywhere. But oh, she's that's sh- so cool. She's Chicago based, and she just um, it's really nice. She she uh, moved to L.A. and so we're together now. She moved to L.A. for you. It seems it. <laughs> it, uh, it. Are sure, you living together? Sure does. Yeah, we just started. But we we had to bus. We started a week ago, but then my house was infested with rats. Like seriously, so I've had like um, had to have all my air conditioners taken out and all my duct work done. So I've just spent like a fortune. There goes all the money I was going to give her. It is now in the interview where I come to a fork in the road. Do I spend the rest of the time, every single minute of it, just talking to you about rats? But have you ever had rats? I've had mice. Right, These, it's different. I understand. No, that yeah, that's like but I, that's a wildebeest compared to a ferret. And I couldn't handle having ferrets in my apartment. I don't or like mice. Them. When I lived in New York, we had a mouse problem, and it was um, it was some of the worst months of my life. I really should have called an exterminator much earlier than I did. I well, was like, I oh, did. We can solve this ourselves, right? Yes, but so they couldn't me. find it, and and so it, how did you know? Were you seeing? You smell it. And then and then we see it, and then you lay traps, and you start catching them. Blah. It's just gamey death. Oh, so you're smelling You're smelling uh, poo-poo and pee-pee. Ugh. And then, because uh, when you talk about rats, you, you don't say bad words. You call it poo-poo and pee-pee. You right. You talk, talk like yeah. a two-year-old. <laughs> I found rat poo-poo and pee-pee. <laughs> and uh, they found the nest and all this, and I was laying traps. Where you don't was wanna, the nest? In the wall, they had to take the wall apart, oh. and then they finally moved over to the air vent. And then the guys were pulling out the old air vents, and a rat jumped ah! out of the ceiling onto them onto the floor. Oh my god! And he was a big bad boy, and he's been causing all the trouble. And he just ran out the door <laughs> to the neighbor's house, <laughs> so he lives there now. I told my neighbor, I, I told him, I lied to him. I told him that he went out to the street. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't. And uh, so it's somewhere in his yard, or it went somewhere else. I don't know. For an exterminator to have a rat like jump onto you, I bet that's exhilarating. Well, these were these were the air conditioner people. Oh, so, then I bet that's horrifying. Yeah, when you have to bring in several different teams into your home <laughs> right. to try to get rid of it, because it really gets its death smell. You know, it can actually infect mm. you. You can get like a rabid lung or whatever. I'm just glad it wasn't, you know, something more dangerous like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Sharks? A gerbil, you know. <laughs> you go to sit down at the dining room table, next thing you know, it's up your butt. What are you going to do? Well, that, I know you're joking, sort of. But that is my, because when I had the mouse problem, the entire time I was like, why is this so 
unnerving and unnerving is an understatement i was like jumping at it like i was i was uncomfortable 100 percent of the time and i'm like because i think because you can't live like that no you absolutely cannot and I, but i was like why they're actually cute and furry and they're scared of us and they're tiny they're but, tiny but, but anybody's they can, mother will tell you they carry disease that's what everyone says because when i was trying to understand like what is the root of this phobia people Just say watch willard <laughs> people say they carry disease but i think the phobia is actually no they could crawl into your orifices when you're unaware or, or that's where my fear comes from if a rat bites you i mean if a rat comes they stink so bad yeah because they're they're sewer creatures i think we should go the other route and talk about relationships okay <laughs> well, let's well just... let me let's talk about you for a second okay you got this beautiful baby thank you last time i saw you you were over at the other studio mm-hmm. and I you're, was. you're still affiliated with the other studio no i'm not you are an independent contractor we are, yes we we are we are like you and your ex-wife. Well, I don't actually know what your relationship is with your ex. I have a nice relationship. We are amicable. Then we're not. That way. Well, actually, oh, <laughs> we're, I understood. We're, perhaps we're fine. We, I have not been in contact with them in a long time. Understood. You went off to do your thing because you wanted to do it on your own. Something like that. I see. <laughs> well, good. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to be here because we reconnected on Twitter. Yes. Direct messaging. So apparently everyone I'm friends with or have a relationship with is because of Instagram or Twitter. Social media has brought so much to you. Let's talk about how how we reconnected though. Um, So had you on my show and I was always like very happy that I had you on the show. It was very nice. You were very flattering. Thank you. Um, And always wanted to have you back on the show. And then out of the blue, I tweeted something like, huh, I don't remember feeding my, my baby tiny corn niblets, something like that. And, um, because oh, that's right. Yeah. Cause for those who don't know and would like to know, there's a phase of baby poop where there's all these tiny little kernels in it. And it's weird. Cause and you're only like giving corn. them. Yeah. Or seeds or something. You're only giving them liquid. So, where do the chunks come from? Anyway. I, and I'm working on a new hour, which I've been working really hard on on the road, which is why I'm out on tour until I shoot this special in end of April, beginning of May. And um, there's a hunk in it, as you call it, <laughs> a chunk, a small niblet chunk <laughs> a of a friend of mine's uh, wife who was breastfeeding and the baby has poop had corn in it. And then I went, how would that go about? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the premise is something like, and I won't do it here because there's no purpose. But because well, we know, have applause, we can really that's enjoy so pathetic. it. That's like a, <laughs> it's like a Bullwinkle cartoon. Yay. They love it. So sad. But but <laughs> just a, how can there people were yelling there's corn in his first poop. Mm-hmm. And that's just not unless she ate a bushel of corn and was able to shoot niblets out of her nipples so it's like cream corn you could shoot people that were coming toward you in an alley oh, you could fire yeah. it at like a machine gun them down that and then it goes on and on because you know me i kind of riff so and i wanted you to know that when you see it in a special it didn't come off of me reading your twitter feed i did it with somebody else recently that that uh said some joke and i said because I'm real conscious of it. Because mm-hmm. a couple of people in my life, in the in the 43 years I've done stand-up, have called me out and said I stole a bit. Oh, wow. And I've never stolen. I'm, I'm insane about it. I'm like comedy police about it. In fact, I one time was Entertainment Weekly. It was when the video show and Full House were real popular. And I did a bit, and it wasn't the most tasteful bit. 
Uh, and I you? did it during the inter. I know, right? <laughs> and it was it was about the it's a small world ride, and it was like um, it should be a shooting gallery. It's a world of bam. It's a world of bam, and you just go through it. Uh-huh. And some guy wrote to Entertainment Weekly after I had been in the uh, interview that there'd come out some bitter comic from Pasadena wrote this crap that said I stole his bit. That's his bit, and I'm a thief. Mm. And I it, it, and what was I to do? What do you do in those cases? Do you write a letter to Entertainment Weekly going, this guy's not telling the truth, I didn't steal it? Right. Common threads happen to people. Did they publi- and they published that They published letter? this idiot's letter. I feel like they should have gone to you first before publishing it. That's correct. But, anyway. but that's correct. But actually, that was you know a long time ago. So it actually has gotten worse. Okay. <laughs> you know, the media has gotten much worse right. where they will, will start a war. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to contact the guy. And but then he made me so yeah, but he made me so sick and he was so bitter. It's like you know I'm never gonna. What's he gonna do? Open for me somewhere? You know, <laughs> you know he's, right. he's he's not he's not gonna be the new Chris Rock. You yeah. know, so uh, it it just disturbed me and because I, I never uh, stolen anything. Mm-hmm. Like even when I did my an HBO special. No, no, when I was on Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian special, I did a joke my uncle told me. Uh, I'm nuts over her. She's this tall about my ex-wife. <laughs> and and it was a short person joke. And, um, you know, I, it was it was an old joke. So uh, that that when and when I say jokes, my father told me they're old jokes and that and there aren't many of them. I don't mm-hmm. I don't spend my life doing that. Most of my new stand up is actually a little more serious. My mom passed away. I'm talking about that, talking about how she left and I'm talking about death a lot and, and, and how we survive it. And, and so I'm. It's interesting how I've matured, and I still do plenty of penis humor. It's all there for everyone that needs it. Um, <laughs> do you still need it? I, I, everyone does, because yeah. there's nothing wrong with a good... Um, there's, there's, there's censorship here? Do I have to be careful? Oh, no, you can say anything. I mean, a dick joke has a purpose, and there are good ones, and there are stupid ones. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I write them on planes, and then a person next to me sees me writing it, and it's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Yeah, if they don't look over and, and know who you usually, are. or make eye contact, yeah, uh, then they just see somebody writing. My penis is so sore, you know. It's like <laughs> that's not what you want the person next to you to read. Um, Wait, is that a how sore is it joke? Yeah, how sore is it? No, because I, <laughs> I feel like that sh- it should be. It's so sore that when I pee, you burn. <laughs> I just made that up, and that guy in Pasadena is going to say he wrote that's it. That's right, and he that's can right. have it. Because it's not a joke. <laughs> well, the funny thing, but I laughed anyway. It felt it felt like a joke. Well, that's timing. That's yeah. just, that's just because I tried to sell it, even though I was in Hades with it. <laughs> um, the funny thing is, when you direct message me to let me know that there's something that deals with similar topics in your stand up, and you just want me to know that you didn't get it from my tweet, like the first part of your message, I was like, uh oh. I think he thinks that I might have stolen this from him. No, no, but no. Then, I then just I was wanted you to I thought know. it was so – this is where now we just tell each other how nice the other person is. Um, but I thought it was so nice of you to let me know because I never – like I would never have thought – oh, he, I didn't even realize but, you followed me on Twitter. So it was – Yeah, after I yeah. did your show, I started following you. Thank well, you. Yeah, you told me I was your best friend. I, I be- know. I believe the premise of the show. Okay, good. <laughs> So, so I mean, in this special, I, I, I'm, you know, my other two specials were seen by a lot of people. They did well. I haven't. I did the fourth one. Uh, actually, I had a, 
I had one years ago that I don't let anyone see. <laughs> that was an HBO special. Why? It had a couple know? good bits in it, but it was an hour long, and the first half hour was uh, me trying to get to my special, and I was dreaming the whole time and couldn't get there, and I was late, had a nightmare, and uh-huh. I did a monologue floating in the air over my baby's crib. It, it had cute <laughs> stuff in it and tasteless stuff, and it didn't work on any level. Uh, but, uh, then I did one called that ain't right in New York. I shot it at, uh, NYU. And then I did another one called that's what I'm talking about in Seattle. So I don't know what this new one will be called cause the world's gone insane. So <laughs> maybe that's what it'll be called, but, but I, I'm really enjoying stand up in a weird way right now. Mm-hmm. I, I actually feel a need to do it hmm. because of what's going on in the world. And I'm not doing political stuff cause we have too many eloquent people doing it right. just beautifully. So why mess with uh, you know what uh, John Oliver or or Bill Maher or or Mark Marin or any of the people that are really good at this stuff? I mean, I have opinions. It's just I don't want to throw them out there because I don't want to enrage people because there's so much anger. So my I, I just wrote a new song that ends my show and it's um it's kind of my version of Wheel of the World, you know, but it really deals more with you know than having sex with people in between, you know. So I, I kind of. <laughs> I kind of don't just make it a sweet song, mm-hmm. but it's veiled in that we need to be kind to each other. Right. But, so you feel like there's a need right now to do this because of what's going on in the world, but you are not directly commenting on politics. No, I've got a couple little inferences, but mm-hmm. uh, also you want your specials to be evergreen. Right. And if you're talking about the president, by the time your thing airs, he might not be the president. Oh, God willing. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, it'd be funny if the FBI grabbed my special and edited it. <laughs> but but I, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that, su- that support the president of the United States no matter what. And that's some people's belief. And everybody's entitled to their belief. And I believe in freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. So I believe that uh, people shouldn't cover up stuff. So you- and, and when everybody's... All I care about in all the work I'm doing now is to do truth and entertainment. Mm-hmm. I want people to be entertained. I want them to. I've been doing like two hour sets. I can't believe it. I'll go and and do a theater, and it's like my friend Mike Young is out there, and he's a writer. We're writing. We wrote a show together with uh, Chris Case. We're out there about to go get it moving, and um, a TV show. And th- but Mike is. He'll go out and do a half hour, and then I'll go do two hours because I'm. I just have a lot to to do right now, and then I'm directing this movie in May about a boy. It's called Jake, and and I'm in it, and I'm directing. I'm his father. I play Jake's father. He's 15, and we think he's on crystal meth. And so the family, my girlfriend, calls an intervention on Facebook, and that's not where you call an intervention. Mm-hmm. It's a stupid place to do that. Hence the. Uh, dark humor so it's it's a thing about again it's about things that are truthful that are right out there that let you know that reinforce that a lot of the people that you think are screwed up the people around them are the ones with the real problem Mm -hmm. so that's kind of i'm just i just have a lot to get out right now uh and it just it's been building and um then i go do fuller house episodes (laughs) which is like i don't know they say it's the number one show in the world but I don't know if that's true. That's what I'm saying. But I believe it. Well, Netflix is, you know, I mean, we went to Japan. Oh, right. Netflix doesn't reveal their rate, their right. numbers. Right, right. But they're, uh, they're something. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, everything's changing as we speak. 
All right, I have so many questions about everything you just said. So yeah, now I'll quiet down. I, I mean, I did a <laughs> lot of down. I did a lot of plugging just now. I, but I know, but it's good. It it really laid out like a whole bunch of things that I need to find out more about. And I hope it's clear that when I said pipe down now, I was joking. No, I got really hurt. <laughs> no. no, I felt comfortable. C- come back, Bob Saget. I no, was kidding. I, I felt like I was in Kentucky in a cabin and the lady before she fed me told me to pipe down and eat my <laughs> stew. <laughs> um. Okay, so right now you're touring to get ready to do this special. Right. Did you start touring and start preparing for the special before... Um. Everything changed politically I, before Trump was elected. Yeah. Well, so well this that- is a cumulative material. The way I do it is I'll just write stuff down and work it for a long time and slowly push out the old stuff that, and then bring in the new stuff. Sometimes I'll go do a gig and if I'm playing somewhere big, a big theater or a casino where people are paying a lot of money, I want to give them the best of. So you give them, and you can't even do more than an hour in some mm-hmm. places. They, they don't want more. And so you give them the best damn show you can give them, you know, and it's people of all ages and it's, you know, 70-year-old people that think they're coming to see Buddy Hackett, you know. <laughs> but but I, I clearly, the hardest thing to do is what people I admire the most do. I mean, Chris Rock's out there doing it right now. He's on his tour right now, getting ready for a new special. And I'm out there doing an entirely new hour and 10. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the special. And it's got four new songs in it that are comedy because I love comedy songs. I used to love Martin Moe and Kinky Friedman and people that were really talented at writing comedy songs. So I've always done it. My last special, I was nominated for a Grammy. It was not because of the music. It was a comedy album. But Kathy Griffin won, and I, I always say he deserved it. So I, I'm, <laughs> it's not nice. I love Kathy. I really do. If only she said yes to my benefit, I wouldn't have made that joke. Um, but <laughs> Did she at least have a good reason for saying no? She wasn't available. She was on the road. She's cool. She makes people laugh, man. You know, that's all. Didn't mean to call you a man. <laughs> I know right. you're breastfeeding and all, but, <laughs> but man, you're great. <laughs> my husband called me dude recently. I do. I call my girlfriend dude. Okay. <laughs> well, well, if she comes to the room and she's wearing cargo pants and her hat on like a painter backwards. Then or, it's, or it's a rapper. It's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Where are you going, bro? She's <laughs> got a couple tattoos, you know, so. Does she really? Yeah. Are you into that? I am now. Uh, I don't think I ever dated anybody with a tattoo. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, it wasn't really dating. But I you've been that, with someone with tattoos. I think it was second or third base. <laughs> well, I think we've made it clear that that's everything. Uh, it's the whole gamut. Yeah. That's around the world in yo-yo talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so you said that right now, the correct me if, or tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. I think this is how you said it. The only things that are important to you in performing are truth and entertainment. Yeah. At, at, in the past, was and, it different? And not boring anybody. <laughs> well, that's the entertainment. Well, I've grown up. So, uh, you know, people go, oh, he's dirty or he's blue. That's that's an idiot talking because I do what I find funny. I always have. And if I've got a 20-year-old audience like I did on uh, one of my specials, I I just talked like that. And I used the word fuck as a rim shot, which I probably – I was watching this great thing that a lot of people watched, the Ricky Gervais thing on comedy with Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. Louis C.K. and Chris Rock. And they were and, and they were saying that, you know, Jerry says he, does, you know, he doesn't use the word. And uh, Louis said, you know, sometimes you use it out of nervousness. You do, And I think on this one particular thing that ain't right, it was part nerves, part 
no, I want to talk to my peeps. My peeps are 20. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk. Okay. So, and as long as you're not using it as a verb, as long as you're just right. going, so this fucking guy, you know, that's, that's one thing. But if you're doing, I, I blanked him. Uh, well, first thing that unveils a whole new, <laughs> yeah, that opens up a whole new can of, yeah. uh, of small worms. Uh, you can get worms from that, by the way. Be very careful. Um, but, uh, that's why it's good to have a gerbil in there because they eat worms. Mm, that's how they stay yes, alive. Back yes. to the rat talk. It's like a real symbiotic kind of thing. Yeah. Gerbils, worms. It's a cycle but. of life. <laughs> it is. Yeah, you can actually. No, I'm not. I, I could I could keep going there, but I'm no, going to move on. No, and I'll continue and we'll both be disgusted by the end. But I think um, to be funny and to do what you do is what, we're, what we do if we're in entertainment and we want to. If you're a comedian or an actor or a writer or producer, you know, people call all the people in the arts liberals, you know, that's how the country is no, is, is labeling anybody that is in Hollywood mm-hmm. or is a writer or a director or a producer. We when are the liberal elite. It's just insane because normally the people I know, I, then they go, I'm not a... I, I, you can label me as a liberal, but I'm I'm a human being. I just believe in human rights, mm-hmm. and um, the things that you're suggesting don't define human rights. They're not the rights that humans deserve. So, um, I guess, but that has nothing to do with conservative or liberal because there's plenty of whatever conservatives are. I don't even know what it means anymore. Republicans and Democrats and it's just all a bunch of so there's different kinds of human beings. It's different DNA, you know? If someone's holding up a dog with a gun to its head, which was a national and poom cover. A friend of mine, Tony Hendra back in the day, said that he thought of it and and wrote it. But then someone else told me that they thought of it. But it was uh it was when National Lampoon was very popular and a man is holding a gun next to a dog's head and the cover says, if you don't buy this magazine, we'll shoot this dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the kind of humor that came out then. So I think we're going to see a kind of a, a rebellious backlash of all this conservatism and people are going to go a little bit nutty uh, in their art. Mm-hmm. We're going to see movies like, you know, Harold and Maude, you know, Vietnam War, anti statements of what we're leading toward which looks like war is what we're leading toward it's it does we're, we're being way. we're being teed up yeah and so i'm teed off and i just want to i want to um make people feel good I, I was talking this big name drop i was talking to norman lear who's uh i'm lucky enough to be friends with and uh we go and play music at his house with different musicians that are really quite talented and and we just sing songs for three four hours and How we smoke fun. cigars and it's it's really nice it's hard on all the women that smoke the cigars but <laughs> and to the trombone it's difficult but um <laughs> but we but he, I, I was saying it's so nice to go out and take people out of the news and out of what they're going through in their life because everybody's hurting people mm-hmm. don't have money they don't have you know they're spending their money to see me or see a performer they're they're, they're a lot of people don't this is their night. This is their night to spend. It costs money. It's a couple hundred bucks. You go to dinner. You take your person. And um, I said, it's so nice to take them out of it. And Norman, being the sage Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> 94-year-old genius that he is, uh, and he put one day at a time back on television and all Latino version, and Netflix picked it up for a second season, and it's wonderful. And it deals with human issues, and it deals with race, and it's 
and that's what he always did. And um, and then he stopped for a while because he did what he wanted. But but he he said, no, you're not taking people uh, out of it. You're you're putting them into it. Mm-hmm. You're you're you doing a show. They're having a shared experience. You're putting them into their life. You're not taking them out of their life. They get to have their life with you, and you're sharing yourself with them, and it's a beautiful thing. That's what it, that's what real performing, real entertainment, um, real theater, real serious stuff. I mean, I watched Fences the other night. Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet. I'd seen the play on Broadway with James Earl Jones, and I took my dad to it years ago, and it was astonishing. I mean, it's it's one of the greatest things I ever saw. And Denzel does this performance, and uh, I mean, it's just everybody in it is just astonishing. And it and it it's um it's not a comedy. It's about as far from a comedy as it could be. But I would have liked to have seen it in a theater and shared it with people. I saw mm. a. a you know, a screener instead, but it's this, um, it's just real special to see something dramatic that makes you feel and cry over the human condition. And so it's just valid to go out and, and make people laugh their asses off. Did I talk like way too long? No, no, there is no, Do you such have a, thing. another soapbox I can stand <laughs> There's on? no such thing as talking too long. On oh, this you show. don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, at least you're not there yet. No, I believe there's no such thing. Um, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this question that I'm about to ask. Um, even though it's going to feel like, didn't you just answer that? But when you were younger, like, here's my question. Was there ever a time that truth and entertainment weren't the main pillars that you were striving for? Like, was there a time where? Yeah, I wanted to get a sitcom. Gotcha. <laughs> I had a kid. I wanted to get a show. I wanted to make money. Um, I'd been at the comedy store for eight years. I'd been um, I'd gone to film school. I won a student academy award. I wanted to make movies. I wasn't doing that. The comedy store, Mitzi Shore, the owner, said, you can work here. I worked there for nothing until they started to pay a little bit after that strike that hurt a lot of people. And um and helped other people because they made money. And um, it, it just uh, was, I just wanted a show. So I got. So you wanted success. I wanted success, but I also wanted to be with the right people. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things I got was a Richard Pryor movie called Critical Condition. And that, I went, wow, I'm with the right people. And I get to play with Richard and all these great actors were in the movie Rachel Ticketon and Joe Montaigne and. Randall, Randall Tex Cobb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people you wouldn't expect. There's an odd cast. Sylvia Miles. People, you, she was a midnight cowboy. But anyway, uh, it was uh, uh, this cool thing. And then I got a job on CBS that I got fired from. What was on, that? Uh, the morning program. So oh, I right. was like the third sidekick. But I was too snarky and annoying for morning TV. <laughs> and so they fired me. And then they canceled the show. And then Full House got offered to me. And I took it. Because I had uh, no job and moved back to L.A. and had a wife and a baby. And um, it, I, I just employed things to the character of that guy that I played. Uh, saying Danny Tanner is like a curse word to me. It's so funny because <laughs> it's a, such a famous TV name. Yeah. But, but I, um, 
you know, I hugged a lot, so I added that, and I said, I want to, let's make him like Felix Unger, Neil Simon's odd, odd couple, let's make him like that, so he'll clean all the time. So I cleaned all the time, and it became this thing where people went, boy, you are the, the gayest character on television. <laughs> and I went, well, so... You know, and so people made fun of that for a long time. And then huh, I didn't realize. I think I was too, possibly too young to realize that that is what people were saying about Danny Tanner. Well, I think they just said it to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go do stand up, and it was a real conflict of interest. People yeah. didn't know what the hell. And then I hosted the video show, which was a blooper show, and that was seven o'clock on a Sunday night for an hour, and that became number one. And so that reinforced that I am a commercial family commodity. Mm-hmm. And then I would go do stand up and for a while it was a shock uh to people. And then then it changed and then after things like, you know, the aristocrats and uh entourage and a lot of other stuff that I did, people started to go, Oh my god, he's um you know, and I started directing some and 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 so it's been it was a hard hard road to have both things match up and so now i'm at a place where i get to go play this character again as an older guy a little more of a caramudgian because he's twice the age he was when the <laughs> thing started and um and and do a few of those which is fun but then i get to go off and do this other stuff which is i'm just really excited about new projects that i have so it's interesting that you, and I'm sure you've told this story a thousand times before, but it's interesting that you were offered the Danny Tanner role given that they must have known you from stand-up where you were pretty dirty, right? Well, uh, Jeff Franklin, the producer, wanted me originally. Um, Bill Maher claims he wanted him, but Jeff says, no, that's not true. We did talk about it. But if Bill Maher says it, I'm not going to argue with it. <laughs> but... Um, there was I another guy. See another Bill Maher as Danny Tanner. No, no, neither could Bill because yeah. Bill followed his voice. I, I didn't follow my comedic voice as much as I followed. Oh, I'm an actor. I, I've trained for acting. Mm-hmm. I love acting. I can act. I'll play Danny Tanner. Um, Do and, you regret that at all? Uh, no, I have no, not not one regret. I had frustrations off and on with it because eight years of playing something like that. But I loved the people so much. Which is, I think, why it came back. Mm-hmm. It came back because Stamos and and Jeff Franklin and Bob Boyette, the producers, uh, fought for ten years, and so a show that hasn't been on for twenty years came back, and they did it right. Candace and Jody and Andrea are forty years old, and mm-hmm. they're adorable, and they're kicking ass. And it's just it's the same show, kind of, right? But they modernized it, and it's just I can't wait to go back and play i'm gonna do one um in a few weeks but it's but we're incredibly close i mean john and dave and these are my best friends you know they're my brothers mm-hmm. so that's what i think was a su- success of the show it was a show made for 12 year old girls but there was you know it wasn't meant for critics they hated it <laughs> right but, but it but it's something you could sit down with your daughter or your son and and the video show same thing i mean people crowded around the tv to watch that damn thing on a Sunday night, and we were making it like a variety show. I had Jonathan Winters on and Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Leslie Nielsen. We'd have people that I loved on as guests and stuff. So I was like caught between, oh, my God, I'm doing a variety show, but it was a blooper show, you know, and I Mm -hmm. was doing snarky, snarky jokes, and it was a little bit annoying because I had two shows, and people were mad at me, and comedians would go, give me one of your shows, (laughs) but but, yeah. 
it it put me where I'm at a place where I get to do what I want now. I, I always felt like it took me ten years longer than I wanted it to take. Mm-hmm. You ever feel that way? Where yes. you feel like it should have happened ten years ago? Yeah, but, yeah. But you have to know things when you're way beyond it. Like now, if someone says, uh, "I'd like you to do this." Oh, you know what? We're not sure. We're gonna. I think we're gonna go different. It used to like upset me. I used to, get, and now I was like, oh, "Okay, uh, uh, thanks. I don't care." And and you don't get mad. You don't get nothing. It's just it, it didn't it didn't happen because it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But I always got in my own way. I always like would, how I would be nervous. I'd want something so bad. You know, if if your goal is to be a star, then you're you got the wrong goal, right? You've got the mentality of I want to be famous and wear a body mic and be on the Kardashians or be on the Housewives. I just want to be on TV. I just want to be famous. I want to be rich. And that's what you had? No. but I wanted to make enough money so I could raise my kid. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be on a sitcom. So to answer your question from 48 minutes ago, <laughs> Jeff Franklin, I did the warm-up on Bosom Buddies. I was the audience oh, okay. warm-up. So that was Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. Right. And Chris Thompson, my, my friend who we lost last year, he produced it. And um, and that was real sad. Um, not that he produced it, but that he passed away. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Franklin was a producer on it. And he always thought I'd be right for Danny Tanner. And then I'd done this Richard Pryor movie, and that was Paramount. So everything kind of fit into place. And Full House was Warner Brothers and... And I came out and I got the part. And I was real excited that the people, Miller Boyette, you know, they produced Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley. You know, they were established guys. I knew Bob Boyette from Bosom Buddies. And so they felt comfortable with me uh, playing that part. So I was kind of the Richie Cunningham of that show. So here's the guy that wants to be the most acerbic, funniest guy. But it wasn't, that wasn't my role. And, um, some of the most fun I've had in my life, uh, two of my best, ex- three of my best experiences were on Broadway and off Broadway. Uh, last year, I, w- I played, uh, I was able to take over for an actor named Mark Kudish in this amazing play called Hand to God. And that was five Tony nominated play, but mainly not the award part of it. I got to play a, a Lutheran pastor who tried to cure a kid who had a puppet during church puppet practice oh, that, right. that was the devil. I remember hearing Played about by that. Stephen Boyer, who's on a show on NBC now, who's just astonishingly great. And Geneva Carr was in it. I love these people. You know, you get real close with Sarah Stiles and Michael Oberholzer. Those are the only people that have the name because they're the only people in it. Mm-hmm. And so I was a Lutheran pastor who was kind of trying to be an exorcist on this kid. And people didn't know it was me. Oh, you wow. know, and and... and that's a giant compliment, you know, when people don't know that it's you. And before that, I did another play on Broadway, thanks to Kevin McCollum, called The Drowsy Chaperone, which was... I've seen that. Isn't that the most beautiful yes, play? Yes, I saw it twice. I loved it. And you saw Bob Martin do it, the guy that wrote it and um, starred in yes, it? Yes, I believe I did. You saw it on Broadway? Yes. And that was Bob Martin, who's a friend of mine and who's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And he he wrote the damn thing mm. with... with um, oh, God, I'm going up on the guy's name. I hope he's not pissed. Um Damn and at it. one point I knew, because I was, I was super into Drowsy Chaperone. Oh, and I was man in chair. Yeah. So that was the part. That was right. the, you know, you, during the intermission, I'm talking to the audience about how much I hate intermissions, you know. <laughs> and, but that's all Bob Martin. And uh, 
just a, a beautiful, beautiful play. If it comes around anywhere, or some college is doing it. People yeah, are they, are they, is it still being performed? It is. It, it is. Back. Hand of God is all over universities everywhere because it's just this really crazy. It's a crazy, crazy play. Um, and it's kind of edgy and has that insanity, mm-hmm. kind of a punk insanity to it. And what was your third? You said there were three of your best There was one called uh, Privilege, which was done at the second stage, which is off-Broadway. And that was written by Paul Weitz, who is a great writer. And mm-hmm. he directed uh, About a Boy. Nick Hornby wrote it, but he wrote the screenplay. And he did um, In Good Company. He directed and wrote that. And he's just really brilliant. So he wanted me to be the lead in that. Not the lead, I'm sorry. One of the uh, five people in it uh, with uh, Carolyn McCormick and these two kids that were just great. And uh, I played an in- a guy that was an insider trader. Uh, like, like, you know, like Ivan Boski. Mm-hmm. So it was dated in, you know, back in the, um, I guess it was in the eighties. And I was, um, uh, not the, not a great dad and, uh, acted like everything's fine and acted his life much like what we're seeing right now mm-hmm. and didn't, um, ends up being, you know, guilty and, uh, losing all of his money because you do get caught eventually by, the cosmos and that was a very serious play for me and people didn't know that was me in that either and i did i, I did that for um a few months it was pretty fantastic i i love live theater very much mm-hmm. i love puppetry also no i'm just kidding <laughs> i would have believed you i like making balloon animals <laughs> wow all the arts <laughs> so tell me about jake um how did you get involved and About what drew you to the story? Five years ago, I've been involved in this thing. A guy named Nicholas Tabarak, who's the producer, and a young man who's now an older man. <laughs> He's old because it takes so long to make an independent movie. Joshua Turek uh, wrote this thing, and I just, I just loved it. I just, you know, it's just how screwed up a family is to help a young kid that they think's on meth. Does the kid really need help, or is that a spoiler? I can't tell you anything. Okay. I, 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 but it, but it takes place in a house and it's, it's going to be f- a fast shoot and, um, gorilla style with all the toys, but, you know, budget's an issue and all that crap because it's, uh, indie, about as indie as you can get. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, not shot on iPhones, you know, <laughs> well, a couple red cameras, whatever the hell they are, and maybe a Viewmaster. Get a little fake crane, have a, <laughs> a drone, we'll have a drone. But uh, it, the whole point of that is to uh, tell a story that's meaningful to people and has. A, well, I don't want to. I don't want to give it away. But it, it's 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 ten people in a house, and uh, and it's it's very funny because the uh, the family's gynecologist leads the intervention because he's the only doctor that shows up at the intervention. It's just whoever shows up. Mm-hmm. is part of it Cous- <laughs> c- cousins show up from out of town on their kleptos so they're trying to steal stuff the whole time and and it's not an over-the-top comedy it's mm-hmm. it's but it is a comedy but it's also you know it's an, about a very serious thing do you have thoughts about do-gooders who ultimately do harm though like is that i'm trying to figure out what it was that resonated with you about the story it's interesting they they had seen uh i directed dirty work the norm mcdonald movie mm-hmm. and arnie lang chris farley and uh a lot of people and uh that was the writer's favorite movie and he'd also seen a couple of things i directed and thought 
that I should play the part. And I went, well, let, uh, let's see if we can get a real star, real movie star. And then we tried that route. And when you get a movie star, your budget goes up, you mm-hmm. know, $20 million so you can make a movie. Um, and it's hard. And I know a lot of people, but, um, and a few, almost got a couple of really big names. Um, and then it got to the point where we're making this movie and the guy said, you're America's dad. You should be this guy because he's in denial it's an extension of things you've played, mm-hmm. um, and it's not a it's not a two level thing. It's not a two dimensional thing. It's it you know it's it's full fledged characters. It's you would see people in it and go, "Oh my god, that reminds me of my dad," or that, my, that reminds me of my cousin or my neighbor, or and and that's what it's supposed to be. It's just how fucked up a family can be, and it's a it's a divorced family as well. So um, and and just a guy who's lost. And and ultimately, all good, all good movies, plays, everything, novels, everything. Somehow, you watch characters get somewhere. They either de-evolve or they they evolve. And um, I think, for the most part, um, this is a positive um, approach, which I which also drew me to it. And uh, it's not a dark comedy that ends with you know kid getting shot in the head. So. Good. I'm excited about it, and and then I go back and do other stuff after that. So it's and just a bunch of. St- I mean, I'll come back on to promote all the other stuff. Okay, good. If it all happens, perfect. Uh, a couple of them are subjective because you're out there trying trying to get stuff done. Sometimes is either either really easy, and then it's like, wow, I didn't do anything. I just happened, mm-hmm. or it's impossible. And making an independent film is up there with impossible. When you see a movie, like I've been, I've been watching a lot of films lately. When you watch it, and and, and you're in the theater seeing it, which is always the most fun if it's a really good movie, and you see, and especially in an independent film, there's like six title slides of what producers made it. It's like you know, Enema mm-hmm. Films, uh, Infinity <laughs> Films. Underwater films, lion eating a rectum films, a lion eating a rectum film, mouse From- in your butt films, <laughs> uh, you know, jaguar films yeah. present, right? You know, <laughs> but but I watched the movie the other night. It was seven companies, wow, because everybody contributed whatever they contributed to make it. So if you have a seven million dollar movie, and uh, which I don't, mine's cheaper, but if a lot cheaper. But if you go and make a seven million dollar movie, you you often get a seven different millions mm-hmm. unless you get a company you know behind you like a lion's gate that says we want to make this movie and we think we'll make money because the key is it's very hard to make money in the movie business everybody has to love your product people have to want to sit in a movie theater to see it or it has to do amazing digitally and all that crap so it's all it's all biz but mm-hmm. i'm coming from a place of i need to make this movie i'm passionate so approximately when are you hoping it'll come out? Well, I would think uh, by the end of the year is when we try to, we'd have it in festivals because Sundance, I think takes uh, October's like their deadline. So okay. uh, you shoot in May, you edit in June and July, then you do post in August. And then uh, it's quite a, it's quite a lot of stuff to do, but it's, um, it's real rewarding. I think filmmaking is my favorite thing. Directing. But I, but I was in director jail for a long time because Dirty Work didn't make any money because um, it, it was uh, they they you know a movie's not going to do well when when they put on the poster coming soon 
<laughs> and it and it opened. It was Dirty Work was for fifteen year old boys. This is a long time ago. This is nineteen ninety eight, and and it was uh, it came out the weekend that Michael Jordan was playing his last two games. So that's my audience, mm-hmm. and uh, no one told them when it was coming out. But Norm Macdonald and I went to all the theaters in L.A. We went to like twelve theaters, and it was crushing in every theater. And we went, this is great. We're a hit. And then I got a call from the producer the next morning. It said, sorry, buddy. Didn't make it. Didn't perform. See ya. And that was it. Mm. Yeah. So. Showbiz. So so then is it like all of a sudden you can't get a meeting? After that, I did a bunch of TV movies. So mm-hmm. I directed. And then I realized I don't want to direct TV movies. Why? Um, unless, I, unless something's really great. Than I do mm-hmm. if it's a great TV movie. But at that time, TV movies are different. I did two for Lifetime, one for the E Channel. They made movies, but that was like a four million dollar budget. It was crazy. They were making like independent, like high independent movie budgets. Um, it was weird. I did one that was really important called For Hope. It was um, starred Danny Delaney, and it was about it was based on my sister dying from scleroderma. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, I'm very proud of that, and that one is still available through the Scleroderma Research Foundation, which I am on the board. And we've raised over $40 million in 25 years wow. to help people. So, And they're honoring me June 16th at the Beverly Welshire, so I've got to get those comedians now. <laughs> I've got to call my friends and beg. When you and Norm MacDonald went to all these different theaters to see how Dirty Work was doing, was that like you just snuck into theater to watch or yeah okay. we just we just said uh, you know we didn't have to say anything they just said oh go on in right <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, that you, at least you got that yeah right <laughs> that's that, some, that, that's really something we got in free to our own movie <laughs> yeah. i thought mm-hmm. maybe you were doing like q a's at the movies or no something. no we were just sneaking in the back on a saturday night would people lose their shit when they saw you no they didn't see us we just were in the back and and it was i mean a lot of people it's one of their favorite comedy movies a lot of guys it mm-hmm. was a guy's movie most of all, and it's silly, and it's a revenge movie, and and Artie Lang was great. Jack Warden was in it. Chris McDonald had really good people. Don Rickles, Don Rickles was great. I love Don Rickles so much. He's like a dad to me. I got a lot of old men friends mm-hmm. because you lost your dad young. Yeah, well, I lost him ten years ago, so he was. Oh, eight, yeah, he was eighty nine. I lost my sisters young. I lost a sister. Oh, but your dad had a heart attack when yeah, you were young. Yeah, when I was. Okay. God, you remember more than I do. Well, thank you. What else happened in my life? Well, I don't remember that well, though, because I thought you lost your dad young. So. No. My dad had a heart attack at 40 and 42, but didn't die. Okay. But all of his brothers died. Right. At 37, 40, and 42 of heart attacks. And then one of them lived to like 82. And then my mom died two years ago, and my dad died. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, when, but it was, you know, it's, it's just life, you know? But I know that you have lost a ton of people i mean yes it is just life it seems like there was like a rapid succession of you yeah and they weren't even assholes that's the problem you know it's like we lost cousin frank it's like oh thank god (laughs) you know what a douche but uh that's not the case right you know the ones that were really nasty in my family are still walking the streets (laughs) seems unjust it's not right (laughs) but here's my here's my question having experienced have you lost a lot of people I've lost a, a maybe I not not as much as you. I've lost some people, but not but it affected me very deeply. Like I feel like I've experienced a lot of grief. Yeah. Um some people I know um 
haven't lost anybody yet. And I'm like, you're really lucky. Yeah, just wait. But, but, but even a hangnail drives them crazy because <laughs> they have no understanding of what pain is. Right. It's like, oh, my God, we were on the runway for two hours. We're going to die. And it's like, no, it's, you know, just chill because there's real stuff that happens. Right. What I found is for a, a big swath of time, little things don't bother you at all. And then all of a sudden they begin to again. It's like, oh, I'm returning to life. Yeah. Because now I care. Well, about my rat thing shit. is bigger than my mother's death. <laughs> I Congratulations! Mean, thank you. I'm I'm over my mother and scared of my rats. <laughs> but I I am told that my air conditioner. I can actually look right now on my phone and see if they turned it on. I I have a an app. Look at this. This is quite. These are my these are my thermostats. Cause, so I can control my air conditioning from my phone and it's still offline. Mm. That's not good. Well, they didn't hook it up yet. It's bastards. Bastards. Rat bastards. So here's my question. Having experienced as much loss as you have, does that has that made the subsequent losses somehow easier to deal with or harder to deal with? Or it is depends that a on question? it depends on who it is, you know. I mean, I only went to dinner with Bill Paxton one time. We had the same birthday. And he bought me dinner, and we were with a mutual friend, Mike Binder, great, great writer, director, old friend. Since he was 17, I met him. He's the first comic I ever saw in L.A. And I just took Bill Paxton's death hard, mm-hmm. and it's, like, strange because I, I really didn't know him. I went to dinner with him once. He was kind. Um, and certain people, you just go, like, oh, why did they die, you know? And And... I'll never get over Robin Williams, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I knew him, and he was, you know, he, he's just the sweetest person that would ever live. Um, and um, it's just, it's just super unfortunate. And then that's why we want to treasure the people that are wonderful. And sometimes it's hard to find them. I wish somebody would come out of the rubble from either party of our politics or an independent that hopefully gets to stay alive because no one takes them out because they're so great. Uh, And man, woman, uh, both, Mm -hmm. you know. I would love a transgender person to be the next president. It would make me so happy. At one point, it seemed like that could happen one day too. But now I'm like, oh, it's a a lot further down the road. Well, we were... just falling down a slide right now. We're, we've got a lot of climbing back to do just yeah. after this. Yeah. Uh, and we don't even know how long this could last. This could go the full four years, and this could go in eight years. This actually could, because people have been Ugh. lied to for years, and this is flat out lying. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what I've learned from it. I'm, I've learned more from this presidency than any presidency. I didn't know what all these offices were. Yeah. I didn't know who all these people were. These people, an FBI director never came out on television and said, well, no, something's wrong here. We're going to investigate this. And I'm not saying either side I'm choosing. Um, But there's just flat out lying. Mm -hmm. I see the lie. I watch the lie. Then that tape goes away and is replaced with a thing that is well thought out that undoes the lie. But the lie's gone. So I can't look up the old lie. Uh, except for some of the great comedic satire shows 
like John Oliver or Bill Maher, and they cut clips together, mm-hmm. or Stephen Colbert, and they put all the or Seth Meyers, and they show you all the things that were said, and then all the opposite things that were said, and just it just flat out lying. Yeah, it's and, crazy making, and you can't teach that to your kids. You can't you can't say it's okay to do this. And we're missing all the good news. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is this is like there's like major other stuff happening. But I mean, they want to cover up like an oil slick because they want to sap the earth oil and pour it into the ocean. You know, I don't know. I I guess I do sound liberal. I'm not. I'm ecologically minded. Do you not consider yourself liberal? I guess I am by what people define me to be. But it sounds like offensive. It sounds like it means that I don't believe in what a conservative person believes. Because mm-hmm. there's things that I take from all people that are intelligent that don't lie that say, no, we need to be conservative about this because this is, you know, this helps. There's something in the middle. There's mm-hmm. some. Uh, well, there was. We need <laughs> I Superman. I don't know what the hell's going on now, but at a certain point, there there was something in the middle. But now, sort of like what you were saying before, like I feel like all these, all these words have broken down. I don't know what it all means anymore. And all the greatest people that meant to say something got assassinated. Um you know, that were, I mean, I took, I remember when I was watching TV and John Kennedy was assassinated and um, my mom fell to her knees while she was ironing. I was in Norfolk, Virginia. I was a kid and um, I don't know what I was. I was seven. And, you know, it's, it's, it's subjective for people, whether he was a good president or not a good president, you know, rumors about his personal life mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I just watched Jackie. So I was kind of into it and and then i the ideals of what he was saying the ideals of all these guys and ladies uh of what they were saying make sense and and yet their dreams because where does the money come from to do this and mm. how can you make declarations on health care when you don't have a plan you're just flat out lying and feeding people lies and that goes through everybody I mean, I've watched the past three presidents, four presidents on tapes saying they were going to fix it, and none of them could. Mm -hmm. And you blame it on one person, but it's a giant industry and a giant um, issue. But then I watch speeches with Bobby Kennedy talking, and I'm going like, boy, should he have been given a shot at the job instead of giving a shot at himself, you know? That's a nice thing to do. Bobby Kennedy assassination joke. But it was so tasteful. It was because I am in in favor of him being alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you came out on the right side of that joke, you know. And even though he was left to these people, he would be a liberal to these people. Cause, and he was friends with Martin Luther King, who was mm-hmm. liberal. What, are they all nuts? <laughs> Did you see John Oliver interview the Dalai Lama? Yes. Wasn't that just awesome? Yes. I love John. Do you know? I him? love the Dalai Lama too. Yeah, actually, when I was uh, when I wrote my book, Dirty Daddy, you helped me promote that. You were writing it when you came on the oh, show. Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, we can promote it now. Let's promote it now. The, the The audiobook's very popular uh, at the moment. It's hardback, uh, paperback, suppository, hand cream. Oh wow! <laughs> it's in every form. It's in Viewmaster. It's in LASIK surgery. I would like to really ingest this book. 
Yeah, in my it, butt. It's in, it's, it's in pumpernickel also, <laughs> so you can you can eat it as a sandwich. It's Perfect, dirty daddy, and it's it sounds like it's going to be dirty. I probably should have chose a different title, but it's um, you know, it, it's about death and how I dealt with it, mm-hmm. and um, that was a a fascinating thing to 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 go through is write a book, but um, and I remember how I got on that. What was it? What were we talking about? Well, the first John, time of, the f- John Oliver. John Oliver. So uh, I, I had a. Uh, you have to when you start your book tour, someone interviews you somewhere of consequence. So this was at the Ninety Second Street Y, and John Oliver uh, was my moderator. Oh, nice. So we were supposed to talk for like twenty minutes, and not unlike this, we spoke <laughs> for like an hour and fifteen. And he was reading passages from it because there's something about me being concerned as I get old that I'll have leakage and then I'll it'll drip out of me onto the steps and I'll trip down the steps and then I'll hurt my back and it's just free associative uh, concerns about fluids coming out of your body. Mm-hmm. And he just thought it was hilarious because it was silly and John is silly. But and he is so eloquent and so great. And he's also done my scleroderma benefit uh, three times already. He just says, call me if my wife's not having another baby. I'm so happy to do it. <laughs> and he, he's just lovely. He's just, and, and so he helped me. Uh, and it was a really special night. And and it was a big deal for the book and a nice, nice start to, to the whole thing. But we became friendly. And so I'm going to New York to do um, a bunch of gigs. I'm going to play the Westbury Music Fair, which is in the round. I think this was like March 23 or something. I don't know the dates. It's on my thing on my on website. On your website? BobSaget.com? Yeah, that would be that. And uh, if they spell it right, my name. And then and then uh, I'm playing uh, the Count Basie Theater, which I played before in New Jersey. <laughs> and then I'm doing this wonderful benefit, um, Garden of Laughs. It's for children with disabilities and children of need. And that's going to be at radio no sorry madison square garden oh, wow. and it's got john oliver and chris rock and uh tracy morgan and leslie jones and a lot of people and i'm going to perform at that and then i'm going to go to my hometown philly i'm really on tour and i'm, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go play this keswick theater um i'm also doing a thing at temple university the guy that got me my internship at the mike douglas show which no one listening will know what i'm talking about but, but i do popular show but you're mm-hmm. too young to know that I, but i still know the name it was around the Merv Griffin yeah. show time, and he was very popular out of Philly. And I was an intern, and this guy that got me the intern started NAPTI, which is like the television conference, mm-hmm. uh, and his name's Lou Klein. So I'm I'm hosting that, and then I then I got a ton of stand up dates, bunch of clubs, bunch of theaters, and I'm just um, I'm hitting it hard because I love doing a brand new hour. It's so cool. You you've got no net, and you're working. And you can't, the rule is you can't say a joke that you've said before, uh, which is really hard to do. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Okay, one more question, and then we should take some questions from listeners. Okay, good. Here, here it is. Um, in the course of writing the book, did you come to see things differently, or did you feel like you learned something about yourself? I think that's true of anybody who's written a book that has anything memoirish mm-hmm. to it, which is how bad a writer I am because memoirish is not a <laughs> word. But they, uh, my editor actually, uh, Mark Chait, and it was Harper Collins' book, and uh, it was originally It Books, and now it's called uh, what's it called? Day Street Books, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a imprint of Harper Collins. These are the things you learn 
Have you written a book? I have not. I've tried so many times, but no. It's, I had written a proposal, and I finally got the book uh, written and some of the proposals in the book. But it's a combination of my comedy and and things that happened in my life. So you got to have a full house chapter. You got to talk about Stamos. You got to talk about the Olsen twins, who I love, and 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 so I I did all these stories and. Um, you really do put it behind you and you process it. And it took a year and a half to write the book. So I did it a lot full time. I mean, it was, a, you know, four hours, five hours a day of writing. And in the beginning, I kind of let it sit for a while. And then you realize, oh, no, here come my eight-hour days. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to suck. And then you just get it done. You get it done somehow. And um, it really did teach me a lot. It was incredibly therapeutic. I think that's true of anybody that writes a book. I mean, the people that write voraciously, they write novels, are uh, obviously it's no different than any other artist. They're, they're getting their nut from that. You know, mm. it's just uh, I'm sure they love having it put that way. But <laughs> right. uh, but uh, it's it's you know it's anything that you get to create. All three of my daughters are artists, and when are they, they visual artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, one of them does like live crystals that rise to like six feet tall. Wow. She used, she was doing a lot of stuff out of dangerous polyethylene plastics and things you have to wear a mask to make. And she was doing performance art where she'd be laying next to an, um, another body of herself that's made of cement. It, really interesting. And then in New York, it's just mm-hmm. something out of a avant-garde movie, you know, and, <laughs> And uh, my oldest does studio art, so which is you know just beautiful paintings. And my youngest is pretty amazing. She does it's all emotional art, so you you don't know what you're going to get, and then when you see it, you just you have an emotional response to it because she's they they all wear their emotions on their sleeves um, in their work, which is what that's kind of how I function. Um, I feel like listeners are going to want to go look them up. So do you want to say their names? Well, um, one of them likes to uh, be more under the radar. Okay. But um, you don't have to. It's only if you well, want to plug well, their I, work. I, 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 would, I would plug their work. They're so damn talented. It's um, aubreysaget.com, A-U-B-R-E-Y, saget.com, and larasaget.com. And it has their works on it. And they also have uh, gallery showings together. They do them together oh, in New York. That must make you so proud. It's it's so great. And and with a couple of their other friends. And they put some of their other sisters' works in it too. She's more of my um, – uh, she's very, very special. Very, more, I would say doesn't want to be promoted. Mm-hmm. You know, just an organic – Interesting. And the others don't want to be promoted either. I think they might be mad. I've never promoted them on anything. But they're uh, they're beautiful and they're and they're talented. So I couldn't be more proud. Well, I can't wait to go check them out. Um and uh and I hope it's okay that you plugged I'm sure it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's good. I think it's fine. Yeah. I'll tell them. I'll have them listen to this and then okay. when they hear that, then what are they gonna do? Oh, Dad, you suck. You said we're great. <laughs> right. You said really touching things about us. We're artists that would like to sell our work. Why would you promote us? <laughs> um, okay, let's take some uh, questions that came in Yeah, you put Twitter. it on Twitter. I was going to answer, answer them just live on Twitter. <laughs> 
That's my favorite thing of my whole day. Here's one. Who wrote that song? That is uh, Tom Rapp, who does all the music for my show. He performs <laughs> under the name Trap Dog. Right. And he's awesome. What's his website? Oh. Trapdog.com? I don't think it's that. I think it's, it might be Tom Rapp. Jeff's going to look it up. Okay. Um, Starsky Not Hutch wants to know, crumple or fold? The world awaits. This is about toilet paper. Oh, uh, I will say that uh, I am ambidextrous, and so I use both methods. And it also depends on time. Right. And it also depends on, you can't plan one way to uh, to wipe yourself. It doesn't make any sense. If you're somewhere where the toilet paper is on one of those freestanding things, mm-hmm. uh, you, and, and you got no time, you're rolling it fast around your hands, you know, or if you don't have any time and it's just sitting there on the ground and that's, you're balling it up like paper mache. Right. Which is what I do with all my toilet paper after I use it. (laughs) I do art pieces with it. Um, People say that my art looks like crap. (laughs) (laughs) Are you truly ambidextrous? Like kind you, of, kind of, but I. But as far as wipage goes, I ha, time is of the essence, mm-hmm. especially when you have to go right before you go on. You right. know, because usually before you perform, if you do theater, if you do acting, or if you do anything, you you have to have a clean out. You gotta, your body's gotta be your 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 instrument must be clean. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and so um, what was it from Silence of the Lambs? Must be washed. What is that? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on his skin yes. and does what it's told. We know that <laughs> one, but I can't remember. But that's a bad, bad uh, reference to the so toilet wait, paper. Crumpling. But does that always work out for you that you can be be, uh, be purged before you hit the stage? Uh, it has to happen. It has to happen. You cannot go on stage, especially if you're going to do an hour or two hours of something, and have anything in your fuselage. Or what'll happen? A uh, just... uh, pellet will shoot out. You don't want that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're walking across the stage and a marble rolls out. And somebody thinks, what? A milk dud fell out of your pocket? <laughs> you just can't have that. Okay. Um, the Arquette sisters would like to know, what American singer has belted out a song about Bob Saget like Alanis did for Dave Coulier? Have you been the subject of any uh, No. I, I have never dated a music person. Okay. Um, no. No, I've uh, well, Alanis actually. That was a combination of three guys she dated, I think, and Dave was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was very sweet. I used to see her uh, a bit back in the day, but Dave is very happily married now to Mel. And Dave has a flatulence problem where it's very foul. And uh, his wife, been married for years now, um, has no sense of smell. Oh, wow. Which is a miracle. And now her sense of smell is coming back. Oh, no. So I am concerned for their marriage <laughs> because he smells like a hen house gone wrong. <laughs> I had him on this show. And he was adorable, right? He was great. He did his fart impressions. Right. I think he showed me a text from Lori regarding farts. Right. So, and I'm super into fart humor. Yeah, so. I think it's important. And because what people are like, oh, I don't like poop humor, I don't like fart humor. I, I like anything involuntary. Laughter is involuntary. Um, I, I don't like throw up, uh, and I don't like this, pi- that came up. And, on I, our show. and I don't like poop, yeah. even though they're involuntary. Uh, 
you know, there's, there's, I don't, I'm not into it. I'll make jokes about it occasionally. I used to make more. I don't need more. But, but a fart now and then um, is uncontrollable. And, and if an audience member is laughing, I have heard in an audience of a lot of people, and they're the only person that laughs, I have heard in my career a person laugh and then accidentally fart. <laughs> and that, to me, is the, the biggest... There is no bigger compliment because they their entire body is saying, I'm losing it for you. Uh, Jeff Williams says, please ask him about Chris Farley on the set of Dirty Work. Oh, I've just been talking about him. Um, he's one of the funniest people uh, and a really good actor, really good actor. And I was very lucky to spend, it was just a week that he was on the set playing Jimmy No-No's. And he got to say things like, uh, you know, there's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off. <laughs> and, you know, he was just this crazy talented guy that and we talked for a while because because he I was saying you should do Breakfast of Champions because who else can do it? And he was I've been wanting to do that. That'd be so cool. And what was beautiful about him was he was like a child. But then after midnight, you know, the shades came on mm -hmm. and you had the two sides of him, you mm -hmm. know, not unlike his one of his idols, John Belushi, you know, these guys that are bigger than life, funnier than life, stardom in their eyes because they just were. They just he, he was just one of those really special guys who would have done really great acting mm -hmm. and would have been able to do anything he wanted to do, literally, uh, with his career because he was so beloved and so sweet and so funny. And it was very tragic because that was the last movie he was ever in was Dirty Work. And all he cared about was wanting to know that everybody knew he was doing okay and he's feeling okay, but he wasn't. Mm. And it was it was right before a couple months later when he hosted Saturday Night Live and he was having difficulty. Um, and it's sad. It, 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 it's very, very sad. And... Um, I'm friends with his brothers, and uh, it's just, it, 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 you never get over uh, stuff like that. Somebody that wants to make people feel so good and yet has devils. Yeah. Do you think those two things are related? For sure. Yeah. People, people anybody funny has a, has a real darkness uh, because they're seeing things, you know, seeing things as an outsider. Mm. Um. And if you're not a stand-up, if you're an, a comedic actor that sees things, if you're as brilliant as Seth Rogen or, you know, someone that can do pretty much everything or, or super, super brilliant like Ben Stiller where you, you do everything. You write it, you direct it, you you um, you star in it. Um, you, you, you observe life. And uh, I guess you look at life like Catcher in the Rye or something. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, I'm 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 not saying I'm smart, but I'm saying I I'm often very sad. And mm -hmm. right now, especially, you know, I, I just if I watch the news, I just I, I just I just lose it. I just I can't watch it, and it's really bad. They, they tell you, sleep experts tell you not to look at your phone at a blue light before you go to bed. But the worst thing you can do right now is watch the news before you go to bed, mm -hmm. no matter what channel you watch. If you want to turn on the uh, Fox News which uh, has a couple of moderators that make sense, a couple, and then CNN, which has, which is probably the one I go to the most. 
um, with I've, its liberals. I find <laughs> we've been watching MSNBC a lot, which I, did, I, love I used to watch CNN the most, but then their coverage of the election. But yeah, the well, fuck out of me. well, well, CNN also, you know, it, it's got Anderson Cooper, who's obviously mm-hmm. brilliant, and but it's got people that, you know, you you. It's a lot of fill time. It's mm-hmm. a lot of let's. Uh, it's like a South Park episode. You're watching right. the quad split yes. of four people talking, and let's get and like everybody. Three to of have... them are are just Trump spokespeople. That's how it seemed. Well, it's just the opposite on uh, MSNBC. You'll get you'll yeah. get more of the would say the liberal. Lawrence O'Donnell is a friend of mine, and I I love him mm-hmm. and I love his show and and. Um, it just seems like there's more intelligent people, <laughs> but but yeah. there, but but to your point, it's depressing anytime you turn it on. Yeah, it is because all you're doing is fact checking the fact checking, right? But then again, we've never fact checked news before, mm-hmm. and where everything is wrong, clearly wrong is, you know, to not believe in in freedom of the press is socialism and insanity. And you can't do this, right? And um, so I, I just want to run away from it and talk about my wiener. <laughs> well, a good break from the news is having a baby because I was very sort of despondent, and then once the baby came, like I sort of stopped. I'm still despondent when I think about it, but now I'm checking it less. Well, you're also thinking of the future of your child. Yeah, and my daughters are very concerned. They they were in New York on the on the Million Women March, uh, who had the hugest numbers in history. Um, <laughs> it's just amazing for someone to look at a blue wall and tell you that it's red. I know. It's and just amazing who, and, how and stupid so many people don't care. No, but they go look at that. He's telling me the wall's blue, or telling me it's red, and 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 he's he. It don't matter because he's funny. He's right. He's saying he's going to clean yeah. this world of anything that's not blue or red or white. Uh, no, they want white. That's what I'm saying. He's going to clean it of anything yeah, that's not. That's not white. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's clearly a racist time, and yeah, it it's wonderful to way. watch people speak up. Yes, and it's wonderful to watch do peaceful demonstration. Peaceful demonstration is uh, is the only way. To, to get your message out. And mm-hmm. if a million people show up at the White House, you know, the orange tangerine has to see it <laughs> out his window. I think, and I've heard it drives him insane. Um, okay, so, uh, Mark, Marcos. You can, make, you can make a doll of him at home just by, uh, what you do is you get orange dye and you stick an onion in it <laughs> and then put it on a, you know, like a, wedge it onto an eggplant. Mm-hmm. And then put Mr. Potato Head feet on it, and there you go. I'm going to do that tonight. Just put a recording of the news behind it. <laughs> Marcus Martinez wants to know, are you cool with fans asking for a photo? Yeah. In fact, I uh, I don't always love it if I'm if I'm like in a robe. <laughs> you know, I just came from a massage or something. But if I – because I do that all the time as I walk I the streets say, of yeah. L.A. <laughs> that happened to you often. Yeah, I, always. I'm always walking around in L.A. in a robe. But – um it, it, you know, as long as if if my kids are around, I don't like to have them in a picture, and I just excuse myself for my girlfriend or my friends, and 
I'm I'm a king of selfie, fast selfie, airport selfie. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get the father, mother, daughter, sister, and they're all age groups, and they all watch different things that I did. And the father's talking to me about the aristocrats while he's got his three year old talking about Fuller House, and I'm going like, sir, please don't talk about that in front of your kid. <laughs> That's your child. But I, I take uh, I'll take oh you I just go crazy with selfies. And I look bad in all of them because it's the side of my head and you're always in the foreground because you're, you're the selfie taker. Right. So it's like I look like a big-headed moose. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Steve Timko wants to know, are there any city... <clears throat> are you, there do any, you want to drink some water? Maybe I will. Yeah, have, are some, there any have some water. cities where he won't perform and if so, why? Um, I don't want to go where there's a huge amount of like racism. Um, but I can't think of any offhand. I mean, I, I go to places that are, you know, there was a big conflict with North Carolina and I was really upset about, um, gay marriage and the issue there. And, um, something else came up in my schedule for real. And so I didn't do a gig there. And then I am going to do a gig there at a club there coming up. Because, you know, half the population is in favor of it. So you that's who my audience will be. It won't be the people that the the people that are against gay marriage aren't coming to my show to watch the dad from Full House talk the way he wants to talk mm-hmm. and entertain them in a in a soft R fashion. But but I'm but there's places I love playing too. I mean I, I'm I'm gone to um, Alabama in a couple months and or a month. I don't know. I got a lot of gigs coming up. I go to the, yeah yeah. So I won't play for um, like I won't do a KKK show, for example. At least you have you draw the line somewhere. Right, right. Unless I get <laughs> free bleach for life, mm. you know, because they have access. Right, right. Because they I never really thought go, about that. How, they how go they through keep a lot. Clean, yeah. Oh, those bleach. They're all. They're very, very white. Do they have to be. I think that they probably compete who can have the whitest sheet. Do you think there's someone who's like, why did we choose white? And then they're like, oh, oh, duh. I think they should change the name of Breitbart to Dumbart. Oh. Because I don't think it's that bright. It's really not. It's like Bart Simpson bright. <laughs> I actually knew Andrew Breitbart a little bit. And? and I And I always wonder what he, well, I mean. He's a smart guy. He was smart. Must be. He. I wonder what he would think about everything that was going on now, because I he didn't seem unless I mean I didn't know him well. He was a very nice guy, um, in my ex- dealings with him, but he didn't seem as extreme as what Breitbart has become. If that's where you're, the only place you're getting your news. Now, I will turn on Fox News because I want to see what the world is thinking. Mm-hmm. I will turn on CNN. I will turn on MSNBC. I will turn on the ABC. I'll turn on all the news. I'll watch everything. I love Vice. I mean, I'll, I'll watch anything that educates me. I want to see things I might not agree with, but I want to hear the other side. Right. Because I want a fully formed understanding of human race uh, in America anyway. And um, for, you know, the media to be cut out of this administration and Breitbart's one of the few places you get your news, that's like saying the only thing I'm going to read is highlights. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, I have more to say, but Rob says, has the spike in politically correct culture been detrimental to your comedy? No, it's been just the opposite. And I think everybody's saying that. Um, Every comedian, every performer that I run into, every actor I run into says people actually need us right now Mm -hmm. more than ever. They need great work. They need work that has love in it. They need work that has morality lessons. It doesn't have to be political. It shouldn't be political or can be. It doesn't matter. I mean, I you know, um, my the new material I'm doing is stories. It's more stories, and it's and it's not. It's just not political. It's no, just, he's asking about politically correct culture, though. Oh, 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 like PC culture. Oh, um, I, I, I'm, I think. It's the same answer. That, okay. Yeah, politically correct culture. Uh, oh yeah, I guess it, needs to be sorry, bal- needs to, to be balanced off. with creative work that uh, has meaning and and might not be politically correct. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of po- politically incorrect things are going to be coming out of this time. Mm-hmm. There's no different than like Nixon time. That's what this will be like because that was and it'll be more right because more people are going to march and stuff and and uh, more work's going to be what people would call liberal you know work. I think there's. I don't think a lot of fascist work is going to come out of this that people are going to be, you know, oh my god, that was such a good fascist movie. (laughs) Right. Um, I sure love that new North Korean film. That was just great. (laughs) But it's so it's creative and really gets the heart of what of humanity. God, Um, that documentary about Putin was so touching. The way he assassinated all those people, right. it was just great. It brought me to tears. Yeah. I uh, learned things about myself. I think there's this idea. He is teaching me to work out more. He is in good shape. So He's, yes. That's one thing that's not rubbing off on Trump. <laughs> no. No, he needs to follow his workout routine. Trump is the fat friend. Well, he needs to have a trainer. <laughs> I think there's this idea among, whatever the opposite of liberal, among... Um, I don't know, among people. There's this idea that nowadays you can't, among the right, I guess, they're like, in, in the, on the left, you, you can't say all these words and there's censorship and, um, and that, yeah, like, have you ever felt like, oh no, I can't, if I perform at a college or something, I'm going to be, you know, pillaged. Well, I'm actually, for- I'm doing a college re- soon. I really just I I could feel out right away what's right or wrong, yeah. and if there's places where people are not enjoying it, I don't purposely dig deeper into talking gynecological talk to mm-hmm. to offend them. I do just the opposite. I want to entertain them. So in that way, I guess I am appeasing them, or I am conforming to not offend them. But uh, my audiences are coming to hear me go nuts. And when I get on stage and I get on a riff about telling a 16-year-old not to dry hump a tree, um, the audience starts cheering. Cause they, and it, if, if it takes me five minutes to do this jazz improv about what will happen if you do dry hump a tree because of ticks and grub worms and things like that, it's just meant to be silly. Mm-hmm. And, and it has a sexual connotation and it has a reality to it because teenagers are out doing anything. <laughs> so especially teenage boys. So... That kind of appeals to any crowd. Mm-hmm. And and I've had strong Bible Belt, church-going, northern Florida audiences love my stand-up because I don't do anything political. And if I'm talking sexual, that's not religious. So right. I'm not hitting those nerves either. And and people that are church-going, people want to enjoy a good body 
sense of humor if it's done in a good frame of mind. I'm just trying to make it like a a good first date, you know, or a good third date if they've seen me before. Every show I look at is like a town meeting. So I think we need to um, make sure we can make a difference by bringing people together. And when people, I did have a show not long ago where someone yelled out, the South will rise again. And I said, dude, wow. dude, come on. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get angry or anything. I just said, what's wrong with you? You want to, you want to take us back 50 years. What do you want to do? Have a, have a drawn, have a horse and drawn mm-hmm. and carriage and drawn something. I don't know what you have. A horse drawn carriage. Horse drawn carriage. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even talk. And I'm trying to teach you guys something. <laughs> and I said, if you're going to talk like that, you're going to have to leave because we, we don't have a room for that here. What was it apropos of, or was it just random? I think I did have, I had some kind of uh, Trump reference or mm. something. And it was, he was just waiting. He was just waiting for right. it because they assume every comedian is going to get into it. And most people do. Most, it's hard not to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just things are changing so quick. You want to deal with the human condition more than adhere to a political thing, unless you're, you have the advantage of being John Oliver or Bill Maher or. Stephen Colbert or Seth Meyers and get on the air and do it that right th- right then and there. Right. Because that's the best time to address this stuff. Can you believe what happened today? Can you know, it makes me miss David. It makes makes me miss him being on. And Kimmel's been amazing. Mm. I'm in love with him. You know, he's he's a friend too. So let's do just me or everyone first. I want to say, you guys, if you're gonna buy something on Amazon, which you are, they have everything, perhaps Dirty Daddy or any of the specials. Uh, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. Doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. Thank you so much for all of your Amazon support. Also, I'm on Patreon. Um, Patreon is sort of like Kickstarter. You can support podcasters, artists on an ongoing monthly basis. There's different reward levels. So there's a level where you can get bonus episodes every month. There's a level where you get access to an interactive live stream. There's a level where you get merchandise in the mail. All sorts of fun stuff. Check that out at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Allison Rosen. Let's do just smear everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? So this is where people write in with things <laughs> they think or do, and they wonder: Is it just me that does this? Is it everyone? And then we weigh in. Right. Mister Boinkity says, "I hate folding clothes. After laundry is done, I toss clean clothes on the bed. Then at bedtime, usually toss clothes on the floor. I've gone through long stretches like this." Tell him he's a twenty-two-year-old girl <laughs> <laughs> or a boy. Uh, yeah, boys. Yeah, I have three daughters, so I look at it differently. That was really misogynistic of me. That's okay. Yeah. Well, it's up to him. Boinkin? Boinkity. Boinkity. Well, he, you know, I was Danny Tanner, so I would say fluff and fold. You know, (laughs) that's what I would do. Where are you, Bob Saget, on the um, neatness scale? I keep things pretty neat. Um, So you're kind of like Danny Tanner in that way. In that, I like a clean home. Um, I do have a housekeeper that keeps things neat. So they're neater. Um, I don't enjoy folding things. I don't like dust busting. But if there's glass in my kitchen, I'll dust bust it. Mm -hmm. If there's glass in his underwear, he should throw it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a good rule of thumb. Right. I would say uh, do what you want to do. If you don't enjoy doing it, don't do it. 
and it'll accumulate and you'll live like that and that'll be that um, and then it will stop bothering you and then that's really when it becomes sad because it's like i'm i live in a in a pigsty and i don't even notice it anymore right i, I am a compost dump but you could fold it all up and then find a place to put it but then you'd have to get into the habit of that and it's mm. hard to change your ways so true Ready and sweaty 69. Mm, That's lovely. Says, leave shower curtain slight. What, what, what I love is that one of my listeners has the name ready and sweaty 69, but also wants to participate in just mirror everything to, or everyone. <laughs> I can't speak anymore. No, I, it's fine. I'm you know what I'm saying? You. No, no, no. This has been great. This person says, leave shower curtains slightly open on each side to let out moisture without bunching up the curtain to avoid a moldy curtain. I uh, have shower doors. I no longer have the shower curtains, so I don't do this. Is this Julia Child's kid, the 69er? Uh, Yeah, I mean, if that works, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, what you want to do is have the liner separate from the curtain by the tub. And not let them stick together both inside the tub. That's how mold will happen, and you will have to throw them both out. This is very Danny Tanner. I can't help it. I know it. I, you know, I just know that. I've, of, I've moved a lot. I've I've done a lot of shower curtain work. A lot of uh, household just mirror everyone's. Like this next one. Oh, um, I have one more thing about the shower please. curtain. There are hooks that you can put over your shower curtain bar that are, give a two inch separation between the liner. And the shower curtain, so they have no choice but to dry separately, hence allowing them to live longer. That is brilliant. That's a true fact. I must make use of those in the guest bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Unknown Chico IT guy says, when throwing away empty items, deodorant, toothpaste, shampoo, peanut butter, I have to close the lid first. Now, when I first read this, I thought that's... That's really compulsive. But then I thought, no, I do that too. I do it because I recycle. And so I don't always... My parents were insane. They would wash out the peanut butter jar and then recycle. But they don't know. They've just wasted water. Oh, right. So what happens with a peanut butter jar is when you recycle a peanut butter jar with peanut butter in it, the process of recycling, if you're making landfill, the peanut butter will be, I don't know what they, they put it through a process that disintegrates food off of it so they could make landfill, which probably causes some kind of cancer. <laughs> but uh, I I think screwing the lid on keeps ants out of your recycling bin. And rats. Oh. Sorry. I would keep it open, catch the rat in it, close it, and then just, that's it. Skippy, I'm happy. <laughs> Got a rat in a gif jar. <laughs> JMOs for A-Rose says, worry about email and text previews that may pop up when someone is looking at my phone. Yes. Although it's not like there's anything I'm really concerned about. But yes, if I give someone my phone, I'm like, what if my sister texts something super embarrassing or something like that? Right. The the ultimate of that is Hillary Clinton. So you want to be very careful (laughs) and not have your emails pop up. Yes. I I don't believe in alerts. I'm I'm against alerts because I don't need to know that someone on Instagram just sent me something because... I, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And I'm pretty viral. I have a lot of followers and I, I, I like I like it. I enjoy it. You do Snapchat. 
I, I love Snapchat. Sometimes I'll do something funny and then I'll put it over on Instagram stories. Oh, well then this is now where I ask you a question for my own personal edification. How do you, how do you take, uh, how do you put something on Instagram stories that's like a previously taken photo or video? What you do is um, you simply uh, click the ad button. Uh, but if, like if, for Snapchat, for example, you would save it. And then mm-hmm. you kind of click on an inner window, and then you save it to your phone, right? Up to your photo. That part I know how to do, but I don't know how to to then put it into Instagram Stories. Um, you you add it with that add button, okay? And then you scroll up, and it 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 lists photos, videos, and you find it. For this I don't button. put I don't put uh, it's 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 right here. I'll actually, oops, oh, I'm being deluged. Uh, it, it, what it does is. Okay, so here we are. Okay, so there's that's camera roll. Now gotcha. we want to go to this. Mm-hmm. So then I lift this up. Oh, and then I've got uh, pictures. Nice. So those are pictures. Thank you. And today, uh, oh t- well, we these? can't say what today is, but this is about. <laughs> that's unfortunate. That was a picture of me and Dave Coyier in drag. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you had to see that. <laughs> um. Okay, let's see. I also don't have, I have all my alerts turned off. However, a text will come through. That'll always pop up. Right. But you can't disable that. That's that. okay. I have that. I, but but I don't have that here um, I, I because uh, as I was looking at my phone, my, uh, my plumber air conditioning guy mm. said I need your credit card number. He's just going to have to wait. Um, it's great, but well, yes, he done. he didn't pop up. He didn't he did not pop up. I don't like getting anything popping up, especially. Right. And if you're in a relationship, uh, that is a demise of so many relationships when people see someone's text pop up. That's right. Who is that? And why do they need your credit card number? <coughs> That's what I was trying not to do. <laughs> I sneezed. Can, I wondered can, why you were holding your eye in that way. Yeah, I was Bless holding my you. eye to stop from sneezing. I didn't want to sneeze, but I'm it's allergic okay. to the rats. And just knowing that he's near them right now caused me to sneeze. This is the most interesting part of the interview. It's it's really coming to life right now. Okay? Right. <laughs> um, let's see here. Do you cut the sneeze or do you leave the sneeze? We're gonna, I think we should leave it, Jeff. Yeah, I agree. It's comedy gold. Okay. It makes you seem human. Maybe you just take the sneeze and just play that over and over again. Yeah, and you're raising awareness of rat allergies. Yeah, 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 yeah I didn't yeah. know it was a thing. Public service. Yeah, it started to get in my eye. Just hearing from him, I think allergies are power of suggestion. I'm allergic to cats because mm-hmm. Merwin Kruger's cat bit me when I was six. Ah, uh, Merwin. Merwin. Kid next door named Merwin. I've, it's not Merlin. I've never it's heard. Merwin. Oh, it's not Mervin. No. Or Marvin. I've never heard the name Merwin. No, I wonder if he's alive. You should look him up. I, what I want to do is hear from him. <laughs> and lastly, Jmos for Aros says, when I see an odd ad, start to think through my recent internet history to figure out what caused it to show up. Well, that's because you're surfing porn, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you want to. Those are pop ups, and you can get them not to pop up by in your preferences. No matter what kind of computer you have, uh, you can close your pop up windows. Tech-savvy Bob Saget. Who knew? It's easy to do. Everybody knows that one. Yeah. 
Well, on Instagram, when it has the, the ads that pop up, those now are targeted. Yeah, I don't and like. It's always that like, oh, it's... something I search for on Amazon is now my an ad in Am- in Instagram. Or like you know, and then you go, I see it too often. That's why you get rid of it. You know, sponsored ads. I don't enjoy those as much. Mm-mm. I don't like being, but they got to make money, and that's how they're making money. And um, and look at Snapchat. Just got that guy Evan, that young kid, good kid. Mm-hmm. I know him. He's a friend of my daughter's. He went to school with him. He's, uh, he, I don't know what he sold the damn thing for. He just, a huge amount of money. Billions, right? Yeah, some crazy. I was very into Snapchat, and then I kind of fell off. I, know I can't you're, help you're, but you be like in it, it sometimes because I'm able to. Claw? Yeah, you? Bobster Claw. But I mean, I mean, I'm able to take Rocket Man by Elton John, play in the background while I'm inside a missile, fl- blasting into space while I'm lip syncing to Rocket Man. <laughs> Why would I want to do that? It's called boredom. <laughs> and it's called making somebody laugh. So some kids walk into his car in a parking lot or he's just on a skateboard and he sees this and he laughs and he falls off the skateboard and breaks his neck. Mm-hmm. Your work is done. I one helped my, his parents. One of my favorite things you did was you were holding a berry and you were like pushing on it and you said, I'm having trouble with my blackberry. <laughs> and that is something I've done before. That is one that. of my... Uh, Sight gags that I do in a restaurant. Uh-huh. And there was one time Whitney Cummings and I were sending um, Instagrams back and forth about our blackberries. And, <laughs> and uh, it is something, it was one of my food bits. Mm-hmm. The other food bit I do, uh, which is dirty, is I'll fill my mouth with uh, cream or put butter around my lips. <laughs> and then I'll open my mouth and the cream will spit out or I'll just go, I got the job. I can't believe I got the job. <laughs> and it works constantly and i'm sure that guy in pasadena will think i stole it from him probably i stole it from his mother <laughs> that's that my favorite my one of my favorite things i ever saw on uh, snl was the alex trebek uh sean connery uh between daryl hammond and uh will farrell as alex trebek and you know, always his your mother i mean mm-hmm. not, to me that was one of the funniest things i ever saw because i do love your mother jokes because mm-hmm. it is the best comeback to someone and but when you do it you don't know really to a real person if their mother's alive if something bad happened and i did it one time i'll, I'll pick on someone in an audience sometimes and I'll say something about their mother, and they'll say she died last week. And I'll go, are you messing with me? And they'll go, yeah. Or once in a while, you'll find out, yeah, something terrible happened to somebody you're talking to. Or you'll make fun of somebody, and you'll tell them, just, you'll reduce them to rubble, and you say, what do you do? And he says, I'm a sergeant in the Marine Corps, and I <laughs> had to get out because I lost my leg. And it's like, oh, my God, you just won. You won. Mm. I, what did you do to me? <laughs> F-, F you for screwing me over right now, you know. That's why I love live performing because you don't know anything. Because you don't know in what way you might devastate someone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I actually make people happy now more than I used to. I think I, 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 I well, I've been doing it so long that I, I figured out how not to hurt people. Mm. And then I look at people like, that I love, like Don Rickles, who 94, I'm sorry, he's 90. I get confused with all my old friends. <laughs> but Don's 90, and he, he'll come out and trash somebody and. It's just, it's just hilarious, you know. It's just, uh, we'll be in a society where we 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 got a president that likes roasting people and thinks that's a sense of humor. I had an ex-father-in-law like that. Mm-hmm. He would say mean things like, "You got crappy teeth. Your teeth suck. You need new teeth." He'll say it to a woman, just mm-hmm. some nice woman, and I'm like, "That's not a joke. Right. You're hurting somebody's feelings." But they'll think they're being Don Rickles. They'll mm-hmm. think they really don't know. You see that on Twitter. 
and you see and you see that in you know you see that in with the government making with with the president making jokes like that actually i believe thinks it's a, he's just making a joke he mm-hmm. thinks he's saying something cruel about somebody when all before he became president all those cruel things that came out you know fat or make fun of special ed person or and i actually think he thinks that that's just the sense of comedy we have now and let's just do that because that's funny but if you're not a professional and have a kind heart and realize what you're doing, you're, you're, you're hurting people. You said you've learned how to not hurt people. How do you not hurt people? Well, you, you own it immediately if you say something that hurts, that, that, that is off color or off, that is in any way hurtful to them. Uh, you, you just you own it. And, and I, I, I bring people out of the audience once in a while and I, I'll you know talk to them and inevitably I'll put my foot in my mouth and apologize honestly. And um, honesty is all we need right now. That's all we need. All we need is truth, justice in the American way. And uh, if we have all those things, then all this horribleness will go away. But we're not going to have them because Superman's not around. <laughs> we need Superman. Mm-hmm. Where is Superman? He's fighting Batman. That's how screwed up this is. <laughs> did the, in the Lego Batman, Superman, do they beat each other up in that too? I haven't seen it. Oh, I got to see that because it'd be terrible if he, even in that they right. beat each other up. <laughs> he pops off his fake hair and <laughs> sticks it on his bat head. Bob Saget, it was so great to have you back on. Allison, thank, thank you. you. I so love much. this. You're you're my new best friend. Tell them um, where they can plug everything. That they you did, plug. All, all people have to do is go to bobsaget.com and it has all my tour dates on it and I'll keep adding to it and it has on it my book, my specials, anything. It tells you about my benefits with scleroderma and it, it gives you all the links and all the sites and everything. I also have an app, um, which is funny. It has everything. Oh, I forgot I have an app. Get the app, you guys. Oh, my God. We'll tell you it's, how in a it's second. It's free. It's free on iTunes. It's just called, uh, I think it's called Bob Saget. I don't know. What is it called? Well, I bet if they search Bob Saget, they'll find I it. I think it's called, I'm looking. I'm searching right now. I think it's called I Am Bob Saget. But in any case, it's free. It's free and it's on iTunes. And the sound you hear is your phone. Is my phone. <laughs> um, Jeff, where should we go for you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. I couldn't find a website for Trap Dog. Okay. Um, and but they can follow him on Twitter at Trap... He's at Trap Dog on Twitter, right? I believe so. And Bob, it looks like With you're... With two Ps. Yes. Bob, it looks like your app is called the, the I Am Bob Saget app. Oh, that's, that's complicated. That's good, though. And then every other site, I'm just Bob Saget. And, you know, Facebook, Instagram... Uh, Twitter. Perfect. So, so and your Bobster Claw on Snapchat. Bobster Claw. That was named by John Mayer. I'm out to dinner. He says, let me handle this. And he goes, <laughs> and so he makes me Bobster Claw. I could have just That's been hilarious. me. He's a good friend. I love name dropping. Norman Lear <laughs> and John Mayer. Wow. I know. And you guys, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen and follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Thank you again. You'll have to come back. I will. Let's make this regular. I can't wait till your kid has teeth and not gnawing on you anymore. (laughs) Perfect. Um, You guys, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. 